Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we begin a new year. Advent. A new year, Advent. Now, that does not mean that we're starting at the beginning of the year. In the church calendar, in liturgical churches, you may or may not be from a liturgical church or know about it, a liturgical church. That would be the Roman Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, Lutheran, Episcopalian, Anglican, uh, they have a liturgical calendar. And we start the year with Advent. What is Advent? Advent are the four Sundays prior to Christmas Day. Christmas Day is a feast day that's always on December 25th, but it might obviously, December 25th might obviously be on different days of the week. But December 25th never changes. Christmas Day is always December 25th. And Advent would precede that. Four Sundays in Advent. Advent is a word uh, taken from the Latin that means coming. So we're looking and we're waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. Now you might remember, if you were with us for Proper 29, which was last time, we had Christ as the King And we were talking about the judgment of God at the end of time, at that time, the scriptures say, from the minor prophets and from Isaiah, if you recall that. So now we go all the way back to before Jesus was even born, and we look at his coming. We look at his preparation. Now, look at the scriptures are in your post starting on Sunday. We always start on Sunday. We end up on Saturday. We have Amos, the prophet Amos. He's a minor prophet. And we look at him for seven days. Then we have 2 Peter. Remember, we looked at 1 Peter last time. And then Jude. Jude's a one-chapter book. And we've got two days on Jude, Friday and Saturday. And we continue our ministry with Jesus, our journey with Jesus. Remember, we looked last time at Matthew 19 and 20. This time we look at 21 and 22. Well, here we go for a brand new year. Amos chapter 1. Verse 1, the words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, what he saw concerning Israel two days, two years before the earthquake, when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. Now, to be king of Israel, Israel had ten tribes. Judah had two. Judah was in the south. Israel was in the north. And this is explained very well in First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Remember the twelve tribes of Israel, and in Judges, the land was divided among the twelve sons. And the kingdom of Israel was destroyed by the Assyrians in seven twenty one, and Judah was destroyed by the Babylonians in five eighty seven. Okay, Amos was a prophet when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam was king of Israel. So he spoke during that time frame. Now remember, as you've heard me say, if you've been with us for several weeks or months, the prophets were there to share the word of the Lord with the king and the people so that the people would know what God was saying to them. So the prophet could have been a true prophet or a false prophet. Now, a false prophet was very dangerous, but a true prophet like Amos 
and other prophets in the scriptures, both oral and written. Amos is a written prophet, were very valuable to the kingdom, very valuable to Israel. He said, the Lord roars from Zion, chapter 1, 1, 2, Amos, and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Carmel withers. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Damascus, and he, tells, he says, this is what you've done, and here are the consequences of your sin. Here's what you've done. Here's what you've done wrong. Okay, go to 13. This is what the Lord says. So the Lord is speaking. Amos is delivering this message. Okay, for the three sins of Ammon, even for four, I will not turn away my wrath, because he ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead in order to extend its borders. Then he said, I'm going to set fire. Because you've done this, I'm going to do this. This is what the Lord says, opening of chapter 2. For the three sins of Moab, here's what I'm going to do. Verse 4, this is what the Lord says. For the three sins of Judah, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. Because they've rejected the law of the Lord and not kept my decrees, because they have been led astray by false gods. The gods their ancestors followed, I will send fire upon Judah. Remember, Judah, southern kingdom and will consume the fortresses of Jerusalem. Now, God just doesn't go and just judge people unless he has a reason to do it. And in this case, Judah has rejected the law of the Lord. They have not kept his decrees. They have led the people astray. It is a very, very bad thing for the people of God to lead people astray by false gods and false teachings. That's chapter 2 of Amos, some thoughts on those scriptures. Look at chapter 3, verse 2. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth, talking about Israel. Therefore, I will punish you all for your sins. Mm. When a disaster comes to the city, verse 6, has not the Lord caused it? Mm, That's an interesting scripture. Surely the Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to the servants of the prophets. There's the old idea about God saying, this is what the prophets are saying. This is what I want you to know. I'm letting you know what I want to do, what I'm going to do, what you should do. The Lord has spoken, verse 8. The Lord has spoken. Okay. In chapter 4, Israel has not returned to God. Again, take your time, read the scriptures, pray about them. You might have a study Bible or a commentary or something to help you understand the text, but at least read them, be reflective. 4, 6 to 13, he has, um, he says in verse 9, many times I've struck your gardens and vineyards, I struck them with blight and mildew. So God is actually bringing vengeance upon his people because they've rejected the law of the Lord. And he is inflicting this upon the people. Locusts devoured your figs and your olive trees, yet you've not returned to me. So by inflicting this judgment, they should have realized that they've sinned against God. In realizing they've sinned against God and the judgment of God has gone upon them and their lives have gotten worse, they should have, A, realized what God is doing based on what they have done And therefore, the solution is to repent of your sins and God would return to you and restore you. So you always want to realize, when are you sinning against God? Why are you sinning against God? Be wise and repent of your sin against God. And he will restore you and relent. You want him to relent. 
You want him to stop sinning judgment. He who forms the mountains, 4.13, creates the wind and reveals his thoughts to man. He turns dawn to darkness and treads the high places of the earth. The Lord Almighty is his name. He's, the one, he's creating mountains, people. He's creating the wind. He's revealing his thoughts. He turns dawn to, dar uh, dawn to darkness. He can do anything. Don't fool with him. Don't disobey him. Don't do your own thing. You're going to incur his wrath. It's not going to be good. There are going to be consequences. So this prophet, Amos, speaks about that. In 5, 1 to 17, we have his lament over Israel. Fallen is virgin Israel, 5, 2, never to rise again. Deserted in her own land with no one to lift her up. Seek me and live, he tells us in chapter 5, verse 4. This is what the Lord says to the house of Israel. Seek me and live. Seek me and live. You hate the one, verse 10, chapter 5, who reproves in courts in court and despises him who tells the truth. Do not despise the one that's telling you the truth. I know how many are your offenses, verse 12, and how great your sins are. You oppress the righteous and you take bribes and you deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Seek good, verse 14, not evil that you may live. Hate evil, love good, verse 15. Those are great words to live by. You may have never read the book of Amos before. It's fabulous stuff. Seek good not, and not evil, that you may live. Hate evil. Love good. Chapter 5. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. You don't want the day of the Lord. I spoke about it from proper 29. That day will be darkness, not light. Okay? I hate, I despise your religious feasts. Verse 21 of chapter 5. I cannot stand your assemblies. Let justice roll on like a river. 24. A lot of people quote this verse. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. So even in the book of Amos, we are taught how should we live? How should we live? Enjoy that great series of prophecies. Chapter, two, uh, chapter 1 of 2 Timothy. Now we looked at 1 Timothy last week. We did not look at chapter 5, but you certainly may want to read chapter 5 of 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 11. His divine power, verse 3, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So, make every reason to add to your faith, every effort, goodness, and goodness, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, and self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. That middle section there, as we open the first couple of sentences in first, Second Peter chapter 1, is fabulous. Please, please, please look at that very closely. Okay? And then we have... Uh, 2 Peter 1, uh, 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves people to speak the word of the Lord. The Holy Spirit comes along. This is how the word of God was written. Okay, That's why it's the word of God. It's eternal. Read that. That's a very, very good scripture. The prof no prophecy of scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation. 
There's not a bunch of people out there just saying whatever they think. No, 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 no. The prophecy didn't have its origin in God in the will of man. But men spoke from God as the Holy Spirit carried them. Okay? That's, that's a very important scripture. Second Peter 3, um, 1 through 10. We were skipping chapter 2. Chapter 2 is about false teachers and the consequences of false um, teachers. You might want to look at that and add that to your reading. Second Peter chapter 3. Uh, the Lord is not slow in verse 9 in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I pray that the Lord continues his patience for you and me, but it is very important that we do not wait to repent. You want to be people who repent on a regular basis before the Lord. Second Peter 3, 11-18 on Thursday. You ought to live holy and godly lives. How should I live, Lord God? Holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Verse 14. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. So he's telling us, again, true things, doctrinal things things that are uh, important about our faith, but then he's also telling us, here's how I want you to live, okay? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. So he's got promises for us, and we need to be patient. That's, that's the doctrine. We have promises that we can receive. Be patient. He doesn't want us to, prepare, uh, to uh, perish. He wants us to repent. So that's the thing that we need to do. We need to repent. Live holy and godly lives. Verse 18, I love verse 18. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why am I doing this? I'm doing this so that you and I can look at this series of scriptures that you have laid out in your post. You have Old Testament, you have New Testament, and you have Gospel. In reading those scriptures every day or a couple at one time, you are growing, hopefully, in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you are letting those scriptures come over you and influence you and you learn them and you know what who God is and who Christ is and who the Holy Spirit is and how they work in your life. And I hope that that is happening for you very much. When you turn the page, you've got 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Let's go to Jude, which is the last book before Revelation. And there are a couple of scriptures I want to point out to you. Again, a great chapter. God's going to judge everyone in verse 15 and to convict all the ungodly of the ungodly acts they have done in an ungodly way and of the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So there's going to be a judgment. You want to be ready. You want to fear the Lord. You want to repent of your sins. You want to be in a right relationship with God. You want to live holy and godly lives. You want to be a right in right standing before God. Look at verse 20. Beautiful verse. You, dear friends, build up your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. You want to build up your faith. So your foundation is Christ. You want to build upon that. Keep yourself in God's love. Verse 21, Jude, for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. Okay, so Jude's got some good words for us. Very short Uh Chapter, not long, like 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Romans. 
much shorter. Okay, enjoy the book of Jude. Matthew 21. Let's go back to Matthew. Matthew has 28 chapters. We are getting closer to to Jerusalem. Yes, we're getting very close to Jerusalem in 21. He's now going to enter Jerusalem. Why is he entering Jerusalem? Because he's going to die there during the Passover. He's been ministering for about three years. He's been traveling a fairly good area. He goes into Gentile areas, but mostly he's staying in Jewish. And he's sharing and teaching about the kingdom of God. He's proclaiming it. He's preaching it. He's teaching it in the synagogues. He is healing people. And we saw last week where he healed um, uh, the two blind men and healed them. Last time we uh, got together, proper 29. And he is casting out devils. All right. This is the triumphal um, entry of Christ. It's celebrated in churches on Palm Sunday. That may be a familiar term to you, Palm Sunday. So they praise him and they recognize how great he is. Of course, they're all going to turn against him uh, on the day of crucifixion on Friday. Jesus then goes into the temple. Now, he's going to be teaching in this setting again before they crucify him. And here he has a situation where he cleanses the temple, and that does not go very well. And then the next thing he does is the fig tree withering, and that does not go very well. Okay? And so he's hungry. He sees a fig tree by the road, and it doesn't have anything in it. Uh, no figs. He says, Mary, you never bear fruit again. That's pretty. And then immediately the tree withered. Wow. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done in this fig tree, but you can say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, verse 21 of chapters 21. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. So Jesus is establishing the importance of belief, of building your most holy faith. We saw that in Jude. By belief. So when you pray, you want to trust God, you want to have a relationship with God in such a way that as you pray, those prayers are answered. But you need to be in, it needs to be in association with the scriptures. It cannot be contrary to the scriptures and in relationship to what the Holy Spirit is calling you to believe and act upon. The authority of Jesus is questioned. So he's, again, he's going into Jerusalem. He's going to be dealing with the powers that be, and he's going to be answering questions, and they're going to be asking him questions, and he's going to be challenged. The parable of the two sons is a beautiful parable because it talks about what's really important. There was a man who had two sons, verse 21, uh, 28 or 20, chapter 21. He goes to the first and said, Son, go to work today in the vineyard. I will not, but he changed his mind and he went. The father went to the other son and said the same thing. I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the father want? Well, it's always better, even if you don't have a good attitude about it, it's always better to do what God tells you to do than not do what God tells you to do. Do what God tells you to do. May the Holy Spirit supply the desire to and the empowerment to do what God wants us to do. The parable of the tenants, again, a very strong scripture about the death of Jesus that's foreshadowed by this amazing parable. Read this parable closely. Um, And it is about, it's an indictment against the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers and the lawyers and the people that were against Christ. Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the capstone? 
He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. You want to fall on the stone, fall on Christ, and be broken. You don't want the stone to fall on you and break you. So he's asking them for humility, and he's, he's asking them to consider being open to the Son of God and as the Messiah to save them, and they weren't. And the fact they were so much against him that they crucified him, as you well know, as we'll see in later chapters. Chapter 22, the parable of the wedding banquet, the kingdom of heaven. It's like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent servants to them. They refused to come, and then he just called all kinds of people there. All kinds of people. Another amazing parable. Amazing parable. He says in verse 14, many are invited, but few are chosen. He invites them, but they don't come. Then he opens it up to everyone. And there's even violence in this. Violence in this. It's very strong. It's a very strong text. Again, if you have some kind of support for the scriptures, it'll help you to understand them better. I hope that you do. Chapter 22, 15 to 22. Paying taxes to Caesar. This is an amazing text. The Pharisees went out in verse 15 and laid a trap to plans to trap him. And they were working with the Herodians, who they weren't really great friends with. Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by man because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, if he says, no, we should pay taxes to Caesar, then the Jewish people are going to get very upset with him because they did not like paying taxes to Caesar. And they, the real Romans were ripping them off with their, in their tax base, just ripping them off. Tax collectors were anathema. What if he says, don't pay taxes to Caesar? Now the Romans are going to get upset, and that could cause an insurrection. So he's really in an impossible situation. Let's see what he does. Jesus, knowing their evil intent, he knows what we're thinking. You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius. He asked them, whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's. Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God's what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. You can't, you're not, you and I aren't smarter than Jesus. Jesus is not only smarter than all of us, He's the creator of the universe, right? He creates us in his image and likeness. But he also knows what we're thinking. He said, give to, I'm not making any, I don't have any problems with, this, with the tax situation. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what's God's. Whatever God deserves, give it to him. And of course, that opens all kinds of vistas and possibilities. So Jesus is entering into Jerusalem to die in chapter 21. In chapter 21 and 22, we're looking at ways he's interacting with the leaders and he's going to be interacting with people. And it, it, those are very, very, very good scriptures. He's very much a person of great courage, of great integrity, tells the truth. And some people like it and some people don't. And of course, at the end, they killed him, as I've said repeatedly. I pray that you'll have a great Advent season as you prepare for the coming of the Lord at Christmas Day and the birth of Christ, which is a stupendous act of God's gift to us. And I pray that these scriptures from Amos and 2 Peter and Jude and Matthew will be a blessing to you. God bless you. 
We'll see you next week when we look at Advent 2.